0: Does Phil shovel the snow in 2024, or is his wife still taking care of it?
1: Wife takes care of the snow.
0: (laughs) Hello, and welcome to The Red Line, presented by Isles Fix, your only daily New York Islanders newsletter newsletter. Subscribe at aislesfix.substack.com. Oh, I'm David Tuckman. Joining me, my partner in crime, it is Phil Farber. We can follow, you can follow us on X at TuckOnSports at Phil's Facts. Uh, in fact, we've got a lot, of, uh, a lot of questions, a mailbag to go through later on, Phil. We've got the Islander season unraveling in front of our eyes to go through. Some decision-making that may be questionable. A coach, is he on the hot seat? Is he not on the hot seat? A lot to cover. Last time we spoke, it was right before the Toronto Maple Leafs game, and we were reeling then, but we had a a huge comeback win against the Maple Leafs, win that game in OT, only to lose the next three in regulation, no points over the last three games. Phil, uh, I mentioned I was concerned, and I said, should I be? You said, yes, you should be. I uh, I was at DEFCON 3, then DEFCON 2, Are we at DEFCON 1 yet?
1: This is DEFCON 1. This is what it looks like.
0: This is what it looks like. I mean, the season, by the way.
1: We've arrived. We have arrived at DEFCON 1. We've arrived at the point where there needs to be a dramatic change in the way this team plays. Because the way they were playing, you had brought up, hey, they're accumulating a lot of points. Points in 19 out of 21 games. Are we selling Lambert a little short? Do we give him some credit? And... We both came to the conclusion, no, that it was more that they were outscoring a lot of their issues and teams go cold sometimes. And right now you've got a lot of guys that are cold. There are reasons for it. I think a lot of the contributing factors are centered around lineup decisions. Barzell doesn't have a point in the last three games. Not a surprise that you pull him away from Horvat, a guy who he's playing really well with, and now he's struggling to produce. So there Wait, are it's contributed- weird.
0: It's weird that he can't produce with, uh, with Clutterbuck. Kyle
1: Clutterbuck and Simon Holmstrom on the third line, yeah. What, is that a scoring line? Is that a checking line? What, what, what is the, f- the function of that line?
0: I, I, what are we trying to accomplish there? By the way, I pointed this out, so I put a tweet out, and I want to make sure that people understand this. Sometimes I tweet things. I, I am not one of those Islander fans who wants to be right. I, I don't care if I'm right. In fact, I would love to tweet things. Last night I tweeted, put all your money on Winnipeg when I saw the lineup. I was hoping that I could say, all right, awesome. I lost money on it. Nope, I won money last night. I saw the lineup and I was like, oh my God. I was like, yeah, please, give me some of that Winnipeg at home. Um,
1: By the way, outside of scratching either Barzal or Horvat, I don't think it is possible to have created a worse concoction of line mates than they did last night.
0: It was, uh, yeah, we can go through that. I mean, I don't even know if we need to, but we can go through that for sure. I pointed this out, and there were a couple things that I want to I want to reiterate. So I put a, I put a tweet out there right after the Penguins, after I think it was right after the seven nothing loss to Penguins, and I said, with this inept coaching, okay, with the road trip that is incoming and the schedule, I go, we are in danger of the season spiraling away. I would have loved to have been wrong there. Uh, since then, and even before that, really, they lost to the Avalanche. They did beat the Coyotes. Lost the Golden Knights, lost to the Canucks, beat the Maple Leafs, and then lost three more. Um, they have gone from essentially second in the Metro to now sixth in the Metro, and
1: they're really they're really sevens. They're, they're really seven. The I mean, in the Metro.
0: they're now the fifth worst team in the East, essentially. Yep. Um, yeah, they've
1: got they've got a ladder to climb at this point.
0: And I will even point out: you talk about getting lucky and unlucky. I, I can say, listen, we're getting unlucky a little bit, but that happens in a season because I can also argue that versus the Carolina Hurricane... Um, when they won 5-4, they got really lucky that they faced a goaltender that could not stop a beach ball.
1: Yeah, he was off that night, Coach. He
0: was day. really, really off. I don't think we win that game if he plays even average. So yeah, that happens. You know, that's just going to happen. I mean, the night we played, honestly, the night we played the Coyotes, yeah, we were better than them, but also their goalie could not stop a beach ball.
1: And Ingram has um, been very good. He's he's one of the leaders in the in a race, so. Right.
0: So I just want to point out that, yeah, last night, yes, we got unlucky. I mean, the, the Sorokin broken skate blade, uh, you know, we, we, you know, versus the double deflection on the first goal, right? The, the Minnesota, the, versus the Minnesota wild. Yeah. I mean, we played terrible, but early on, I mean, Horvat bings off the post Colton Clutterbuck hit a post. I mean, if a couple of those go in, maybe the game is different. Who knows? But that's going to happen right. in a season. You know, you're going to get unlucky. You're going to get lucky in certain times. Broken
1: stick deflection, blooper over Sorokin, seven seconds left in Nashville. Now, the beginning of that play was not unlucky. The beginning of that play was just stupid, mostly attributable to Matt Martin making a dumb decision, but also attributable to a coach who decided that in the last two minutes of the game, he should be double shifting his fourth line.
0: In a season of nonsensical, irrational, ridiculous decision-making, that one might have been might have been the stupidest one I've ever seen in my entire life. It's, I, it was. It was. Not might have. It was. I, I just, I mean, I want to wrap my head around this, and I've been going over this the last couple of days trying to wrap my head around this decision, Phil, and help me out. Fans, maybe you can help me out. Tweet me. Let me know what we're thinking here. Now, there's an argument. I know Barry Trotz, a few years ago, was really, his, our fourth line was so good defensively and so responsible defensively a few years ago. That he would often put the fourth line out there if we were up a goal, but this was a tie score, and we double shifted our fourth line. I just don't. I mean, I think of any other team in the league, any other coach in the league. Like you go, is is Pastranach not playing? <laughs> is McKinnon not playing? Is Kale McCarr not out there? Um, you know, I, I mean, is. <sighs> Sebastian Ajo, Carolina Sebastian Ajo, not out there. You just go through a laundry list of teams. Mark Stone, Jack Eichel. Are the team's best players not playing in a tie score with three minutes left or no? We're going to take our fourth line, which by the way, they're the fucking fourth line for a reason, right? Why yeah. put your players in that position? I mean, I just, I, I the only thing I can come up with, I mean, is Lane betting on the other team? Are they trying it to take? It was tank? the most
1: obvious play for the tie I've ever seen. And the strange thing is, so I want I to Is he that scared?
0: Is he that scared he's of not getting scared.
1: a point? He's coaching scared. And when you coach scared, you make decisions that that tend to backfire on you. It's kind of like the coach's version of gripping the stick too hard. Right? You grip the stick too hard, you're not going to score. It's a great analogy. And that's what he's doing. He is gripping this lineup too hard. Two minutes left. There was a stoppage in play at that point, right? So it wasn't, you had time to even think about it, right? Who am I sending out with two minutes left for this face-off? All right, I'll send out the Pajo line. That's fine, right? Then you send out a line of Nelson, Palmieri, Fashing. Okay, sensible. Make, you know, I, I can I can live with that over there. And then immediately after, right, 30 seconds later, all of a sudden right over the boards again is, is Pajo Clutterbuck, Martin, in middle of the shift, Clutterbuck gets off, Barzal gets on, which is an interesting switch there anyways. And then Martin doesn't get the puck out. And, you know, maybe it's because Martin's out there for 70 out of the last 110 seconds. And that's contributing to it, you know, a little bit of fatigue. The guy right, man, who, maybe
0: he's trying to feed. maybe he doesn't normally play with Barzal and he's thinking, I'm going to get to the it guy who can score a goal. And, and, right, exactly. Rather than just flip it out to the red line,
1: which he normally would do. But also you're talking about a guy who spent six weeks in the press box. I mean, with a quote unquote injury on IR, off IR, on IR, off. I mean, it wasn't really clear what was going on there. The only thing that was clear was that he had lost his lineup spot. And then he comes back in and you're putting him in, in the most critical situations in a tie game where you, you got to get that point. You have to get that point. I mean, you, and you they just didn't. And then the carryover effect in, in Minnesota was the, the moment things started going poorly. They spiraled because this team right now is very fragile.
0: The concerning thing to me, I mean, there's so many things that are concerning to me, but one of the things that really concerned me is a couple of years ago, it kept felt like, oh, well, okay, we had a bad effort. Let's let's answer the bell. And then they come out and they have a good game. And then they have another bad game two weeks later or a week later. And that seems to be the case here. I mean, we all kind of said, okay, the, the game versus Montreal. It was a tough game. They were traveling. It was the second half of a back-to-back. And we we're like, ah, burn the tape. No big deal. Then they played Washington. Uh, okay, burn the tape. Then they played Pittsburgh and lost 7-0. Okay. Forget it. Every team has a every team has a handful of these. We seem to have a we seem to have one of these every 8-9 days now.
1: Yeah, um, more frequently. I mean, listen, you got the Minnesota game, 5-0. They didn't show up for the game against Vancouver at all at home when Vancouver was on a 3 and 4 with a back-to-back,
0: which by the way is also alarming on a different level. Remember there's something to be said for playing a if you love your teammates and you wanna back your teammates, isn't that a game that you'd think Bo Horvat would want? Of course. I mean, if you're Bo Horvat's teammate, isn't that a game where it's like, hey, let's get it for Bo. Let's 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 get this for Bo.
1: They are oh two and one against Vancouver since we made that trade. I mean, we gotta get him a win at some point, right?
0: I mean it just yeah, you just kinda of look at it and go, hmm. And by the way, I mean it's clear we won the trade. I mean Ratu is what a third round third line AHL know,
1: centerman. Yeah.
0: AHL centerman. Maybe maybe he becomes maybe he's a middle six centerman at some point in his career. I have no idea. Bo has already been basically dumped. You know, um and I mean, we, they
1: traded the first round pick for for um Hironic, which is good. I mean, no, no for your purposes I, I can't Hironic but I can't, I can't
0: go fight right but I can't go further on like that. Listen, I of can just course. argue I can I can argue Look that Detroit, the elements of the trade. What was right. in the trade? I can argue that Steve Eiserman. We weren't trading the 13th overall for Hronik.
1: 17th overall but
0: yeah. 17th sorry right I'm, I'm still going back to the Rom- romanov trade um, and at the end of the day i look at it and go we basically traded a mid-level prospect and the 17th overall for a legit 200 foot center yeah give me that every uh, give me that every day in his prime awesome uh, um, But that's the concerning thing that just happened, seems to happen over and over again. And, and I want to bring up a poker analogy. For those of you who don't know, I also do a lot of... I mean, actually, my bread and butter is my poker broadcast. I've, I have broadcasted NFL. I've covered ping pong. I've covered softball. I've covered NASCAR. And I've covered uh, way, way too much poker. Um, and there's something in poker, for those of you who don't know, if you try to win a tournament, you're trying to win poker tournaments, right? And a lot of... In poker, if you are scared to lose you will almost definitely lose. If you are scared to get knocked out of a poker tournament, you will almost definitely get knocked out of the tournament. You can't be afraid. And I do think that the analogy is apropos compared to gripping the stick too tight or playing the game not to lose. Okay? I think there's a reason why we've literally been to overtime, what, I don't even, 20 times already? I
1: think 15 now. I mean, it's... I think it's it's 15. Five wins, 10 losses.
0: Five. Okay, so five and 10. And, you know, there's a reason why we are in these games, um, and and I think we play for that. And it seems like nobody else does. I mean, I was arguing that in that last little bit versus Nashville, why not put Horvat, Barzal, and Nelson out there? Why isn't yeah, that a line sure. with a minute left?
1: Especially because we were carrying play for the majority of that game, right? I, you know, you'd love to win in regulation. That that matters for tie breaking purposes, but also. We're not good in three-on-three, three, right? We, we, we get the second point one out of every three times. I don't like that percentage. Nashville's very good in overtime.
0: That's a good and, point. And you'd argue, you'd argue if you were a coach, we have more of a reason. Like It's almost like uh, Italy in the World Cup in soccer. I'll bring a soccer analogy in here as well. We're going through every sport. Italy was always criticized because they played for the penalty shots. But reason they played for the penalty shots is because they knew they were good at them. Right. made sense. Let's, just, let's play for a draw. We'll, win, we'll beat them in shootouts. Um, we'll beat him in penalties. But if you're the Islanders coach and you know that you're only going to get that second point 33% of the time, wouldn't that give you more motivation to actually play for the win?
1: For sure. I remember back in the day when we had Franz Nielsen and Kyle Poso, and back when they allowed the spinorama and Josh Bailey and Ryan Strom were good in shootouts, I used to look forward to shootouts because we would win a lot of those. Right. I would say, let's get to the shootout. And and back when we had Shatan and Kozlov And that team that ultimately sent us to the playoffs by virtue of a shootout. Like, we used to have really, really good shootout guys. But the combination of only a couple guys are are reliable. And Sorokin is of the worst shootout goaltenders I've ever seen, right? It's a scenario that you want to avoid at all costs if you can. They should more often than not be playing for the win.
0: Um, By the way, Bridgeport's got a a few shootout players, though. They did uh, three for three in the shootout the other night. Three for five. Three for five. Right, but the three guys we like—I mean, Ish, Maggio, Dufour. Sorry, it was boom.
1: Dufour, then Ishakov, and then Maggio for the win. Miss. yeah. I'm trying to think who miss. okay, Kuhlman missed. Okay, Coolman missed, Koivala missed, and then Maggio won.
0: Good to see. You, you gotta love it. You, you got. You gotta love that at least. Um, looking ahead, uh, we got the Blackhawks on the 19th Friday.
1: You can't lose to the Blackhawks. You cannot lose.
0: No, and, and this even if a, you
1: outshoot them a hundred to one, you still cannot lose that game.
0: And this is a game that, in all fairness, even with bad coaching, I mean, Bedard's not playing. This is right. a this is this is a borderline. Chicago's
1: going to be on a back to back.
0: It's a borderline AHL roster. I mean, this is not a good team at all. It's not a good team with Bedard. It is a. Right. I'll also add though,
1: regardless of the res- the result, shouldn't matter with regard to whatever decision they choose to make on Lane Lambert. I I believe that the moment Lane Lambert's career, first of all, he should have been gone after the first West Coast trip this year, but I think Nashville killed him. I think seven seconds left in Nashville. I th- I think that has a if he's going to get fired, it will be because of that moment.
0: We've got, we got we got yeah we got a game. mailbag question that goes into that, so we'll go into the whole we we'll get, thing. We'll, we'll, get let, we'll get to that later we'll get time. into the whole thing and you know whether why is he being fired how uh, does who,
1: coaching matter right
0: what's let's go behind that in a second okay let's. Let's just talk about the the, the lineup decisions and, and um, you know some some thoughts on this team because I do want to cover a couple of things. We are now in you know we're now out of it right now. We're not in the playoffs right now, but we're only a point out of the wild card, and, and frankly, we're one hot streak away from getting right back in. I mean, we could pass Philadelphia yeah, very I mean, listen, easily. You go if you do if you do an eight and
1: two stretch, all of a sudden you're back in.
0: Please, we win five straight. Suddenly, Isles Twitter is going to be like, we're winning the cup again. Right. You know what I mean? We're only 10 points out of first because the Rangers have been playing terribly. It's tight. It's, uh, tight.
1: it's it's tight between like 12 teams, yeah.
0: Right. And, and, and a couple of teams that are, are ahead of us right now are, I, I, like I'd like to say, I, I don't trust either one of them. I don't trust Washington. I don't trust Pittsburgh. Um, Philly is doing it. And let's, let's turn our attention to Philly. I put a tweet out there a couple of days ago. You want to talk about whether coaching matters or not? I put a tweet out there. And I said, Philly is on a 101-point pace. Their goal differential is plus 10. By the way, the Islanders' goal differential is minus 20 now. That's telling.
1: That's very telling.
0: Yeah, uh, plus 10 goal differential. Um, Philadelphia's roster, I don't know if anybody has seen it. They have a few talented players, but this is not a very good roster. And I would scream to the fact that coaching matters. Um,
1: coaching doesn't matter. You just need point-per-game players.
0: Come on. <laughs> right. Come on, David. Hey, I mean, let's say hey, listen, Phil, you wanted to talk about it. We go back to the the, the first couple of years. The first year Trots took over, the Islanders were every single expert, every single one said the Islanders are going to be a bottom five team without John Tavares. Okay, mm-hmm. they brought in Barry Trotz came in, and you could argue the Philadelphia Flyers are basically that same team.
1: A lot of similarities. Right. I want I want to just you know, I have this pulled up just so people, because I know we like to zero in on, on things that we believe are necessary in making a playoff roster, right? Number one, oh, well, your power play has to be good. Well, you know what? That team's power play in 2018, 2019, it was below 15%. It was of the worst power plays ever. Well, you know, you need to have a couple point pregame players. Well, the leading point producer on that team was Matt Barzal with 62 points in a full season. After him was Bailey with 56, and then Nelson with 53. Well, you need a couple snipers, right? You need a couple 30-goal scorers. Well, Anders Lee had 28. Brock Nelson had 25. And Casey Sezikis had 20. Those were your only guys on that entire squad with above 20 goals. Well, your top-line winger needs to have 70, you know, 60, 70 points. Really? Eberle had 37. Bouvillier was on the second line for the majority of the year. He had 28. Their lead scorer from the blue line was Ryan Pollock with 37 points. Dobson already has more than that. What does he have? 44 points at this point, right? This was a team that bought in.
0: Bought in. I lost you.
1: This was a team that bought into what the coach was selling. They committed to playing defense. They were very strong structurally. The goaltending was elite for sure, right? We're not getting that kind of goaltending right now, but... Every but, guy. But, but let me ask you this.
0: Let me ask you. We're not getting that kind of goaltending right now. Why? A,
1: l- a large part of that is because of the structure, though.
0: That's, would, okay. That's a, sure. Listen, if I don't have to worry, if I'm a goaltender, and I'm not a goaltender, but if I'm a goaltender and I don't have to worry as much about the back door, the guy behind me, can I be more aggressive on the initial shot? Certainly, right? For sure. I can be yeah. more aggressive on that initial shot if I don't have to worry about the back door. But if I'm Sorokin and I know that I have to worry about that back door, then maybe I'm cheating a little bit because I know I have to make that save because Pellick or Mayfield or Aho or whoever it is is going to forget about the guy in the back door. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you look at those goaltenders that first year. Who were they?
1: Grice and Leonard.
0: Okay, a journeyman that nobody wanted in Robin Leonard. And Thomas Grice coming, coming off, off
1: the worst season of his career.
0: Coming off a year where. I mean, people were saying, well, the only way you're going to keep John Tavares is if you get a goaltender.
1: Right. Right. And he turned that I into... Mean, then listen, they had they had also guys, they had guys on the roster who, no matter who filled in, Kunakl played 36 games, Cole played 28 games, Ross played 17 games, the fill-ins all came in, Tanner Fritz played eight games, Lucas Pisa played nine games, every fill-in came in and filled their role well. They all knew what they were supposed to do. and And it worked they were the fifth place team in the entire league that year. They didn't get out of the second round. Right, it wasn't even
0: team. right, but it wasn't even a fluke. It wasn't like they like I mean, you could argue the covid year, if not for the breakage, maybe they don't even make the playoffs. But that year, they were a wagon. Yeah. I mean, 105 points.
1: 103 points.
0: 103, sorry. Fifth in the league. And and a, and a bunch of things like you said. They did not have a lot of what the fan base thinks they need. We need ta- we need we need snipers. We need this. We need that. We need Now listen, they didn't win the Stanley listen, ultimately Cup.
1: Ultimately they probably didn't the not probably. Ultimately they did need more to get to that next level. They and, needed the ball. And Barry of- said or- that.
0: Barry said that. Right. Barry even said. He goes, "We need a little more firepower." Can you argue, let me ask you this. Going back to coaching matters. Can you make the argument and I, I think I can easily, but can you make the argument that the roster the current roster that Lane has is better than any roster Barry had? For sure. Uh from a
1: talent standpoint, it definitely is. Definitely. Barry would have killed to have a Bo Horvat on his team. Right? Just by having Bo Horvat alone on this team, it makes it better than any roster Barry had. Yeah, you just got to put the pieces in the right places, and you got to coach them up properly.
0: For what it's worth, by the way, Horvat is uh, far, far better than John Tavares right now. Yes, <laughs> that's that not the better
1: one in, in Toronto. <laughs> let
0: me let me ask you a dumb question here. So Philadelphia is twenty four, fourteen, and six, fifty four points, hundred and one point pace. Islanders are nineteen, fifteen, and ten for forty eight points. Um, if you were to somehow reverse the coaches, and you gave them Lane, and we had we have Torts. They'd be
1: terrible. They'd be terrible with Lane.
0: I mean are they are they a bottom three team? Bottom five. Bottom five. five. Yeah. Bottom
1: five. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: That's the one thing that really scares me about Lane is is his reactionary moves are just like like if something if if like the train comes off the tracks just a little bit, right? If the wheel goes off the rail just a little bit, he makes these ridiculously dramatic moves. Like, fashion goes to the second line. I mean, I have never seen a situation. Like, last night I looked at lines and I go, okay, there have been nights, pardon me, there have been nights where Lane has, by making one move, has screwed up two lines. But somehow last night he figured out a way to mess up all four lines. He was like, I'm going to put Horvat with the two slowest players on the team. Okay, good job. I'm going to put fashion on the second line. Okay, that doesn't work. I'm going to put Cal with Barzal. Hmm. And the third line, I'm gonna have Fashing center it now. Oh, sorry, second line last night. What was the second line?
1: Fashing Nelson Palmieri.
0: Now, didn't Fashing wasn't Fashing our fourth line center last night? Two nights ago. Two nights ago. Sorry. Okay. Uh, Two nights ago. The the the, the idiocy. Just I, I I get my nights mixed up. It just seems to like roll into one. Uh We thought Lane was gonna be fired after the West Coast trip last. Uh, coming off that, he did not get fired and I've talked to some people about this, and they're like, well, if he didn't get fired, then he's not getting fired. Uh, coming off an embarrassing loss against Pittsburgh, and then just the absolute embarrassment against uh, against the Wild. how does he still have a job? And if he still has a job now, can we just assume that, is this a Lou decision, or is it an ownership decision? I mean, does Lou have the go-ahead from the owners to fire him? Because somebody brought this up in, in a tweet, Phil, and I'm curious what you think. Is there, is there a scenario where the owners are saying, I don't want to pay into the coach?
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, they paid two coaches all of last year, right? And I don't know what Lane's making. I'm assuming he's one of the cheaper coaches in the NHL. But, there, I mean, I guess it's possible. But if, if Lou does have the free reign that he usually is given when organizations bring Lou in, mm-hmm. it's, it's completely on Lou then um, that mm-hmm. this coach is still here because he shouldn't be.
0: Uh, you want to get to our mailbag? Let's get to the mailbag because it Let's covers do- a
1: lot of things that we can open up here a bit.
0: Exactly. Okay, so we'll do some very basic ones here. Edward, who has tweeted in, says, uh, hey, why did I renew my season tickets last year?
1: I don't know. Great question, Edward. You it should is- speak to your financial advisor and roll that into something a lot more profitable next and, year. And entertaining. But I, and will, entertaining.
0: I, I will I will. I I bring that up. I I, I did ask this I did bring up this question simply because I say does there come a point where the owners are actually a little bit worried that attendance is going to sag? I mean, the owners aren't deaf. The owners are there. They hear it. The fire, you know, lane must go. Fire lane, fire lane chance. They hear that. I know they trust in Lou. Does, does, does there come a point where, like, the owner goes to Lou and go, okay, what are we doing here?
1: I mean, they haven't done it yet, so I have no reason to believe that they will, but... You know what? Let let people talk with their wallets, right? Show the owner show ownership, show show management that that we're not going to uh we're not going to be a party to this. Jim it's be- not 20 it's not 2012 anymore where you have the excuse of, you know, cheapo owner, cheapo organization, we're going to trade for Tim Thomas so that we could hit the cap floor and we were practically the coyotes of the east. Like it's not that anymore. We've got an ownership group that's willing to spend, I think. They're willing to spend. Um, I mean, you don't
0: want, listen. You do listen. You want either you want your fan base to be mad, or you want your fan base to be excited. You don't want your fan base not to care.
1: Right. That's yeah. when it
0: gets scary, and I think that's what we're we're teetering on right now. Jim Beam, who uh, is an emotional guy on Twitter, he says a uh, uh, couple of questions here: Is Pelic washed?
1: He looks terrible. I think it's less that he's washed, and more that he looks like he looks like a football player playing two hand touch. Right. He looks like he has come back from too many injuries and is worried about thinking about his next injury as opposed to actually playing a physical brand of hockey that he is, you know, known for playing. He's a he's a big physical defenseman. And to me, it just looks like he's very timid, especially going into the boards, and that's affecting his play. He has yet to play that doesn't excuse all the awful errant passes that he's throwing up the middle of the ice. That's a separate problem. He has yet to play twenty
0: minutes a game. And he, the team is one in four with him. The only win being against the Leafs. Yeah. And by the way, one in four. I mean, four regulation losses. Um. What happened to Palmieri? You and I mentioned this last week. and I think the week before that, I said Palmieri. He looks like he needs a day off. He has. Um,
1: uh... Yeah. So lately, I actually think he's playing better. I just don't think he's getting the goals at this point. But I, I thought. From what I saw from him in the past couple games, I thought he, I thought he looked better than he was previously. I just think they should put that line back together and, and let them work through it.
0: Why he's, is the, he has
1: not he not played well enough? No question about it. Um, I'm not nervous about it though.
0: Why is the penalty kill so bad?
1: Part of it is goaltending. I mean, last night it was because the goalie skate fell off, which is uh, something I've never seen. Just an incredibly flukish thing. Part of it is because they just aren't changing up personnel, which which they should have a long time ago. Kyle Clutterbuck shouldn't be on the PK. I know he's been on the PK all year, but he, he shouldn't have been. Hey, you, know what's,
0: you know what's so weird to me? How reactionary Lane will be when things aren't going well, he has no problem switching up the lines and blending lines. Okay, things aren't working. You want to switch things up. But the weird thing is like the penalty kill has been either 30th, 31st, or 32nd all season, and he's like, nope. These are the guys who have always, always got it done. I've got to stick with these guys. It's just weird. It's like, okay, we lose a couple of games in a row. And he's like, okay, I'm going to blend up the second line. I'm going to bench. I'm going to I'm going to health bomb Angval or whoever. And we're going to switch things up because we've got to shake things up. But that won't. He's just like, no, no, I can't switch the penalty kill. That's sacred. Um, Apparently. It just, it, it's a weird thing. Uh, Robert Keefe, and we kind of sort of touched this. Why hasn't Lou pulled the trigger and fired Lambert? Do you think the owners are hesitant to fire the coach less than two years after the trots firing?
1: They might be. It's a definite definite maybe.
0: Uh, Check saying, where does the majority of the blame fall right now? Lane, the players, or Lou?
1: I'd say, give me 60% Lane, 30% players, 10% Lou.
0: Although to me, and I've always pointed this out, at some point, unless it's the owners telling Lou he can't fire the coach, which is certainly a slight possibility, at some point the responsibility goes up the chain.
1: right? 100%,
0: 100%. He's responsible for the coach. Is a trade more likely at this point than a coach firing? Do you think now, I, I heard Elliot Friedman say this, and I think it makes a lot of sense. When a team is struggling, usually a GM does one of two things. They either go, okay, let me, let me go get him some help and see if that fixes it, or let me fire the coach. We've already gone out and gotten Riley and gotten Bartuzo. Obviously, Bortuzzo's injured right now. What's more likely right now?
1: I think a firing is more likely than a trade.
0: Why, uh, Isles fan 777, who's always just a, a beacon of positivity on Twitter, why should Lou keep his job when he re- refuses to fire Lane, who's just an embarrassment at this point?
1: It's a fair point. Listen, if if he has the autonomy to do that and he's not doing it, he should lose his job too, 100%. Uh, I've got a... I have got. also want to point out, by the way, I, me- I meant to bring this up before when we were talking about coaching, right? Everyone thought the season was over last year after that Boston game when it was learned that Barzell was going to be out most likely till the end of the regular season and maybe even longer. Right. And... That directly coincided when Lane kind of shifted back to the old trots playbook. They were, you didn't have forwards flying the zone like like you did this year. They played a much tighter structured defensive game with a lot of plugins. They had Coivola, Durondo. um, They had Andy Andriov in there for a little bit, right? Because they had so many injuries at forward aside from Barzell. Like Pajot was out for a bit. Clutterbuck was out. I mean, yeah, at one
0: point, two of our four centers were injured and out right i mean really? how we survive that I mean, and you have to imagine that lane kind of looked at it and said well we can't outscore teams anymore we've got to, we have to stop them from scoring and i maybe it's- and,
1: they, and they did just that they they suppressed chances at a, at a much better rate than they did previous to that and and certainly much better than this year so it, you do again, it, it just goes back to the point of like, well, we don't have this player, so we can't, we can't be successful. It's, it's old, they're slow, they, they don't know how to do Like, no, they played 23, 24 games without Barzal and made the playoffs without him when they were left for dead. So, okay, th-
0: this one's from uh, from Linda GK says, uh, what are the realistic chances for this team if no coaching change is made? I assume when there's, when Linda's saying realistic chances, I, I assume to make the playoffs or possibly even contend. I would
1: say 25%. If there's no coaching. Is what, if no coaching change, yeah. That's how I get them.
0: Fair enough. I'm rolling through. I don't know if you have any as well, but I have a bunch here. Andy Frances wants to know, does Phil shovel the snow in 2024 or is his wife still taking care of it?
1: Wife takes care of this now.
0: <laughs> uh, Eric uh, has a sense of humor. says, rank the following options in order of who you would want coaching the team right now. Lane Lambert, Doug Waite, Capuano, Gordon, Milbury, or just some random guy off the street.
1: Uh, give me Capuano one. Give me give me Doug Waite number two. Give me Scott Gordon, then Milbury. Then random guy off the street, then Lambert.
0: <laughs> I might have Gordon one higher than that, but that's I, I probably pretty close to you. I, I, I like it. Uh, Eric Vogel also wants to know uh, how big of a clown show is the Athletic ranking Holmstrom just two spots above Danny Nelson, and they're under twenty-three prospects.
1: Yeah, I, I don't pay attention to those rankings anymore. I I think they're meaningless. They changed them with with such variant so frequently that it's impossible to take it seriously right if you're if your july to january rankings could change so dramatically that a guy who was like in the top five could drop to 50 then it's just an unserious ranking and and you never believed in what you originally put on paper anyways
0: right imagine going imagine going into your like google map right you're driving somewhere and you do a google map and it tells you that it's going to take you 51 minutes to get somewhere and they factor in traffic. And, you know, maybe maybe if you drive a little faster, you'll get there in 47 minutes. Maybe if something happens or you go a little slower, you'll get 53 minutes. But imagine that 51 minutes could theoretically be 78 minutes or 24 minutes. Then the Google Maps are worthless, right? Yep. And that's essentially what the athletic is. Now, listen, I'm not going to say everybody at the athletic is terrible. I think there's some good articles there, and I think there's some good insight there, right? Uh, but the fact of the matter is, I, I, I think for the most part, I, I think they have – a thought or an hypothesis. They have a thing, and then they figure out how to make the stats work to support whatever idea they originally had as opposed to objectively looking at the stats and then coming up with something. And I think that's a problem. Uh, Here's one here. Mr., Mr., uh, Mr. Bob is here says, is there a good reason as to why an AHL player hasn't been promoted to our fourth-line center? This is interesting. So you talked about it last week. Casey Zekas, we actually thought, you, you watched the Bridgeport practice or game, and you said, well, everybody's playing, so I guess Casey maybe is not as injured as we thought. But it turns out not only is Casey injured, but it looks like he's out for a while with what is likely a broken foot or ankle. Who knows exactly what it is. But it looks like he's out for a while on IR. Question is, that happened, and Lane was like, okay, I need to do all of this juggling. Why not just call up a fourth-line center? Why not Otto Koivola? Why not Kyle McLean? Somebody to bring up to shore up and at least have some semblance of, of a lineup.
1: Yeah, especially because... And we were talking about this before the show. Like Casey, when he was at his best back in you know the trots early years, 2018, 2019, 20, 2019, 2020, when he went out with injury, it was a big problem because they missed Casey and a lot of what he brought. And I think this year, it's, it's less about what Casey is doing and his abilities, more so it's the fact that Lane Lambert seemingly has no idea what he's doing with these lineups without his fourth line center there. And it's forcing him, well, it's not forcing him, he's, he's as a result making really poor decisions so to me, the most obvious candidate, fast, speedy, forechecking, centerman, kills penalties, Kyle McClain. I mean, this guy was was billed as someone who, not someone who was going to make the roster out of camp, but someone who's put in enough work and looks good enough where he's going to be the first call up. And I remember in a preseason game uh, from this, this past fall where Butch Goring was talking about how he was hearing from people in the organization that he's essentially the one for one Sezikis replacement. Anytime Sezikis misses time, it's going to be McLean uh, coming up and he looked really good in preseason. So is there a chance that McLean gets called up at some point? I, you know, at this point, if, if Angsville, if Angsville's injury is, is real in the sense that it'll keep him out a couple games, you can, I can guarantee you that by tomorrow's practice, you will see some sort of call up and I would put my money on it being McLean.
0: McLean, by the way, for what it's worth, is uh has nineteen points, six goals, thirteen assists in thirty six Bridgeport games. Last year he had eleven and sixteen, does kill penalties. He he's not a small kid. I mean, this is a six foot one, you know, almost two hundred pound player. He's twenty four years old. Um he hey, also he's young. He must be good. <laughs> he, he must be good. He yeah. also he also shoots left. I mean, he literally is like a KC and he, and he's got that he's like the energy bug, right? Yes. Um, he's like a
1: Casey clone. He's like if you were around Casey by eight years. That's I, that's what he is.
0: Part of me just wonders, I mean, also, it just, it's a bizarre thing because I want to bring and you'd back... And
1: ha- you'd also have to think that in front of his dad every night that he's going to be playing his nuts off.
0: Well, I also listen, it's his chance. This is yeah. his opportunity, right? I mean, the team needs a spark plug it's seemingly you've got one in the Bridgeport. Why would you not use the spark plug? You're not asking him to come in and score a bunch of goals. right? If you brought up Ish, it'd be a different story. Two four, a different story. Like McLean, you're literally saying, go be our spark plug. Go be just Mr. Energy. You're going to play about nine, ten minutes a game. You're going to kill some penalties. Just go out there and go, go, go. Um, the thing is, and I, I go back to this because we brought it up last week. I think it was last week or maybe two weeks ago. There was a really interesting quote from Lou. Steph asked Lou, or asked Lane, Lane. sorry, said, hey, with Casey out, why aren't you bringing up a center? For, why aren't you bringing somebody up from the AHL? And Lane's answer was, kind of sassy. We talked about this. You'd have to ask Lou about that. So I'm, I'm trying to unwrap exactly what's going on here. I mean, is that suggesting that, Lane wanted somebody, and Lou said, no, you've got the roster, you've got your lineup, you figure it out? Or is it, was he just deflecting? I mean, did Lane actually go to Lou and say, hey, Lou, I could use some help here, and Lane said no? Or was it? Is it just the fact that if a, if a coach wants somebody, they have to ask? Help me out.
1: I just, listen, I, I can't, I, I hear that. It could be that, you know, Lou just, I don't, I don't know. Is there a scenario where Lane went to Lou and said, hey, by the way, you know, I'm down a centerman. I want one of these three guys from Bridgeport. And Lou just said, no. I I just don't, I don't see that as a possibility. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Lou's just like, well, I've got, you got 13 other players on the roster, mix and match, make it work. It seems a little bit odd. It seems odd that he would do that if if Lane was genuinely going to play the guy. Now, if it was just like, yeah, give me a call up for the sake of like having a guy in the press box. Well, if you're not going to use him, I'd rather this player play in bridgeport and help them out and continue to play games, right? You're not going to call someone up for the sake of having them sit and do nothing. But if he genuinely was going to play someone over any of the 13 forwards that are healthy on the roster, I, I can't understand why Lou wouldn't
0: oblige. And maybe that was the case. Again, this is we're just this is complete guesswork. Right. I don't know. Again, I would. But maybe that was, was the case.
1: Where L- Lane probably wanted to get a look at. Like, okay, I've got a. Couple Let me other- see. Yeah, I've got contingencies in mind, right? The right. Maybe Lou said, mind, Hey, I'll call
0: up. Guy? I can call up Otto. I can call up Kyle. And maybe Lane said, Listen, I'm not going to play him right away anyway. So keep him down right. there until I'm definitely going to play him.
1: Right. Let me get a couple different looks with this lineup. Let me lose we a couple of got, games. We first. got, you know, it's, listen, it's not like they couldn't afford to lose games and fall out of the playoff picture. Like, obviously, they're not dead. They're not out of it. It's still a race. It, you know, if it was a situation where like, Every point is must win. You must like. They're not at that stage now. So, if his logic was all right, worst case scenario, we're like three points out of a playoff spot. By the time I've had a look at everything I wanted to look at, fine. And and if that's what he did, then then okay, sucky idea, didn't work. Anyone could have told you it wasn't gonna work. But I just can't imagine a scenario where he was on his hands and knees begging for a player who he specifically wanted to play, and Lou was just saying no.
0: Seems like an odd thing. By the way, for those of you who uh, have children who play ice hockey and my both my boys play, uh, there is a, a tournament up in Edmonton called the Brick in- Invitational, which is uh, the brick. It's very famous for squirts, 10U and under, 10U players, and uh, it, it takes place in the summer, and it, many elite players. Austin Matthews has played in it. I mean, a lot of Trevor Zegres, a lot of really, really top players have played in that. The Chucks as well have played in it. For those of you who are like, ah, my kid can't make it. He didn't even do this. Uh, Kyle McClain played in the Brick Invitational. It's pretty cool. I'm looking up his stats. Back in 2008, 2009. So he was in a 10U player. And he played five games and had no goals and one assist. So if your kid does go to the – if your kid is that kind of kid at 10 years old, okay, don't worry. And by the way, if your kid's scoring four goals a game and he's 10U, he's still not going to the NHL. (laughs) Relax. (laughs) Anyway. Let's uh, let's continue on. I got more here. Uh, what do we got here? I got uh, more questions. Oh, I'm enjoying these ones here. Uh, yeah, this is a good one here. Michael Pelmont says, uh, "Any chance we could?" And I'll and I'll broaden this out here. We could deal Anders Lee after the season when he has a no, when his no trade becomes a modified 15 team no trade clause. His cap hit is 14 million against roughly 10 million in real money of the next two years. So if we're willing to retain or even for less money, would he be of interest to some teams? Yeah, I
1: think if you retained half, you could probably move him.
0: Okay. What about if the losing continues? Right now, obviously, I I think Lou is probably standing. He's probably sitting on his hands. He's like, I'm not going to do anything, Uh, unless it's something long term, like a Bo Horvat from last year. I I can't imagine Lou looking at this scheme and going, "Okay, I'm not. I'm not selling yet, and I'm not buying yet. Let's see where. Let's see what the next ten days go." Right.
1: At least till the All Star break, they got five games.
0: Okay, let's say let's say they go one in four and four, they lose four more in regulation over the next five. Okay, I don't want to be negative, but let's just say that happens, and they really are, are falling behind. It, are we selling? And if we are selling, who's movable?
1: I mean, the most obvious ones are any anyone on an expiring deals. So that would be Clutterbuck, Martin. If if teams want veteran players with a lot of playoff games and and intangibles. Mike Riley is very movable, right? And then you got go to about next... Yeah, so Paul Palmieri, one year left after this. I would say that someone who's got the playoff performances that he's been able to put together would probably be of interest to a team. The most obvious piece would be Brock Nelson.
0: I was going to ask you, I mean, if you're thinking about... If you want about... to go a little
1: more, if you want to take a little bit more of a, a razor blade to this team and cash in on that, Chip, which his his values at an all time high right now. I think Brock Nelson, with one and a half years left, is something that can really bring you back a lot of nice pieces. I
0: was going to say, I mean, you're you're looking at getting a premier second line center for not one but two playoff runs.
1: Yep. Now, team like he's perfect for Colorado,
0: and a lot of teams out there might look at that and go, you know, a lot. I know a lot of fans are like, oh, we got to tear it down. Tear downs don't work. I mean, unless you want to be Ottawa, okay? But a retool. And listen, I love Brock Nelson. He's amazing. But I'm wondering if this team continues to falter over the next two weeks. Trading Brock Nelson, what that could return for the Islanders, Mm -hmm. is that – and keep in mind, yes, the guy is a goal-scoring machine, but he's also going to be up for another contract after next year. And is that a contract we want to go into? Do we want to then pay a 33-year-old Brock Nelson for three or four years a lot of money? Or – do we sell him? Do we sell an asset at its absolute highest value right now, where teams could get two playoff runs for him, and we get kind of a ruled, a retool on the fly? I mean, listen, Vancouver kind of did that with Bo, right? Now you could mm-hmm. argue they didn't get full value for him, and I'd say they didn't, but it wasn't a tear. But then down.
1: they used those assets to fill a position of critical need. Exactly, him,
0: right? exactly. And you, you don't look, need to look use at the Vancouver draft pick to draft, right? 100%. So if you, you look... get
1: two first round picks for Nelson and a top prospect, right? So it could be a situation where like, all right, we're going to keep the prospect, but then what we're going to do with this first round pick is we're going to trade it for some team's 24 25 year old forward who might not necessarily be in the happiest. And again, I don't have any examples off the top of my head. I would need to look around the league to see who that player is, but a similar type situation, you know, deal to what Vancouver did for Horonic to fill that type of um, that type of need.
0: Well, and you look at this. I mean, it's two playoff runs at a really good contract. I mean, Brock Nelson is making six million dollars. That is a ridiculously good contract for a guy scoring 30, 35 goals a year. You know, who can fill your and play center a position. Right, of need. Okay,
1: and I, I have an example. I, you know, one. an example just popping the pit. And again, not that I want this player, and not that he's the right player. But again, you hear rumors about Trevor Zegers maybe not being a match for the Ducks long-term, right? And they just traded Drysdale. Um, So a situation where, again, don't be so hyper-focused on Zgris, specifically the player, but a type of situation where you've got a younger player and you can use a Nelson trait to facilitate getting that player back. A player who can help you be competitive now, competitive for the future, fits into the timeline with Barzell and Bo, and Dobson and... Sorokin and Romanov and a couple of other core pieces we have, that type of thing, right? Think along the lines of Derek Broussard for Mika Zibanejad. You're not going to be able to hit a home run like that, of course, but if you start thinking along those lines, that's the type of thing that I would be interested in.
0: What about some sort of a trade where we got like a Bowen-Byron? Because I was trying to think of Colorado. Colorado is a really obvious fit where they're looking at it going, hey, we can win it this year. We can certainly win it next year. And they desperately need that second line center.
1: Yeah. I mean, that could work as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's about finding a a younger player who fills an area of need for this team short-term and long-term.
0: Yeah. An interesting thing there. I was curious
1: about Romanov, right? Romanov, the Romanov trade also like, and he's, he's blossomed this year into a a lovely top four defenseman who, you know, from time to time could also make a play in the offensive zone and he's 24 years old and you're going to have him for, you know, to, to help you win now and to help you win in the future. So I'd be very interested in that type of trade.
0: I'm not sure. Did you get any questions at all?
1: All the questions went to you. So
0: all the questions went to me. I like it. Okay. Hey, uh, any any last thoughts as we uh, we wrap this one up and head over to Colorado? Any last
1: thoughts? Uh, you know, it. Uh, you're never as good as you you look. You're never as bad as you look. Right? It's always somewhere in between. True. I would say that um, you know things things could get worse very quickly. Things could also get better very quickly. I, couldn't they, couldn't they get believe.
0: worse?
1: They can get worse. I mean, they can lose five in a row. I mean, listen, if they lose five in a row, then we could start looking at uh, top five draft picks, right? So so that could be funny. I, 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 I,
0: I did jokingly tweet. I said, does there come a point where we tank for Macklin uh, Calabrini, who's just an know, absolute to.
1: You would need a lot of lottery luck to get there. Yeah, There's no way uh, that you can finish bottom five.
0: Yeah, uh, Macklin is an absolute stud. He's going to be the number one pick in the uh, this coming draft.
1: Five games until the All-Star break. Five critical games. Grab as many points as you can
0: get. By the way, the team has lost now five of their last six in regulation.
1: Yeah, after a large stretch of not losing many regulation games at all. Not
0: good. I feel like I can blame Rob Taub for this. Rob Taub was the one who's – he just kept saying, he's like, oh, this team's – we're not losing in regulation. We're not losing in regulation, and all we've done since then is losing regulation. Anyway, uh, that is going to wrap it up for us. Uh, I do appreciate all of you who have sent in your questions. If you have questions for us for next week's show, uh, send them in, and and we'll do our best to get to the best ones. Uh, For Phil Farber, I am David Talkman. Thank you so much for listening to The Red Line.